Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old uh, what is today, Friday? Today's a big old Friday, folks. Sheesh, losing track of these days because, man, oh, man, it's just great playoff basketball after great playoff basketball after great playoff basketball after great playoff basketball all these days blending together. But, man, oh, man, another great day of NBA playoff basketball again on tonight. And, folks, once again, we are close, close to be wrapping up the golden era in the NBA, the start of the playoffs because we had some teams going up 3-0 in the series last night. So, we'll be breaking down the games from last night, betting on and breaking down the action on tonight's games. Now, I know we can all be disappointed. Net Celtics Game 3 is not on tonight. We have to wait one more day tomorrow, and I believe it's a late game. Darn, 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 like 7.30 ESPN, I believe. So we are going to have to wait one more full day before the best playoff series resumes. And once again, we didn't do the show yesterday. So, you know, y'all survived my wrath of us versus y'all game two. But I did send out a little Twitter uh, video, you know, just to take care of that portion. But overall, you know, the scary Nets, once again, not being scary, blah, blah, blah. Y'all y'all know the deal. Y'all know the script by now. But, but yeah, tomorrow that series resumes and we cannot wait for that. One more sleep until we get that greatness. Ooh, it's so great. Uh, but uh, today on the show, breaking down the games from last night, betting on the games today, and then there's some great NFL stories that we're going to get some clarification on. We're going to get some clarification on some of the stories that we've been tracking. We're going to hear from Jimmy G, we're going to hear from the Cardinals, and we're going to finally get some clarification because, you know, uh, we are kind of back on that, uh, well, not 100% back on, but, you know, there is still more data, evidence that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to play on the 49ers this season, so we're going to get some finally clarification that we kind of needed from these two uh, teams that we've been talking about, so we'll break down those NFL stories today on the show as well. Uh, so let's just jump right into it, shall we, folks? Let's start with the NBA, and then we will transition to the NFL. So let's start with the games from last night, folks. And man, oh, man, man, oh, man, man, oh, man. What the hell was this game, folks? Grizzlies at the Timberwolves. Series tied 1-1. Series shifts to Minnesota. And kind of the same thing happened? What the heck was this? Grizzlies win 104-95 take a 2-1 series lead now but it's not that they just won they overcame two folks count them two 20 plus point deficits it was absolutely absurd the Timberwolves got out to a hot great start and then what they do put up uh, this, this Timberwolves team folks they put up 12 points in two different quarters 12 points in the second quarter and 12 points in the fourth quarter and that led to their downfall I mean, it just led to this crazy downfall, folks. It was absolutely absurd. Multiple 20-point leads that you blow. It wasn't like, okay, you know, the Timberwolves up by 20, and then the Grizzlies hit a shot to bring them down 18, and then the Grizzlies got back up to 20. No, 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 that wasn't there. Multiple 20-point deficits that the Grizzlies overcome. These are two separate cases of being up 20, and then, you know, a close game. The Grizzlies brought it, uh, brought it from 20 to 10, kind of right before halftime, and then... 
the Timberwolves brought it right back up to 20 plus and then the Grizzlies end up winning the game so this was a complete collapse complete collapse by the Timberwolves last night and that's not great if you're a Timberwolves fan a Timberwolves player because this series is not really shaping out like you're gonna be able to go out and get it done for the remainder of the series now down 2-1 so not looking great by the Timberwolves, but let's start here with this Grizzlies team. We had John Morant, and he wasn't even the reason why they won this game. He didn't play well, and this man's shot selection was not the greatest in the fourth quarter when the Grizzlies were starting their second, their second 20-plus point deficit comeback. John Morant didn't have the biggest hand in that. Now, he did play well, 16 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds, but once again, his shot selection down the stretch, forcing up some bad shots, and he was lucky that Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark were on his team, or excuse me, Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark. He was lucky that they were on his team uh, to kind of bail him out, John Morant, on his bad shot attempts. So, Desmond Bain, 26 points, 7 of 15 from 3. Absolutely wonderful. A huge reason why they were able to overcome those deficits. And then Brandon Clark off the bench, 20 points, 8 rebounds, shooting 66%. Yes, once again, getting it done in the fourth quarter. So, John Morant, maybe thank your other players, you know, a little bit more here. Uh, a little little carry, a little carry last night. Uh, and then we had Tyus Jones, 11 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds as well. Once again, we know the Grizzlies are deep, and they showed that depth last night, and they definitely needed all of that depth. Now, Steven Adams did not play at the five last night. Jaron Jackson Jr. at the starting five. And this doesn't surprise us because we saw what happened in game two. Steven Adams only played like two minutes, got into foul trouble, had a sit. And then the Grizzlies performed beautifully without Steven Adams, without that great defensive big down low. They just played more free. And Carl Anthony Towns couldn't get it done with, um, you know, going against a non-Steven Adams big. And that's exactly what happened again last night. No Steven Adams out there on the floor and Carl Anthony Towns is floundering. The man only took four shots last night. First of all, what the heck is that? You're like the no number one option on this team. Number one or number two. I mean, we know this is the big three. D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, but man, oh man, Carl Anthony Towns, you're supposed to be kind of the number one. You're supposed to be the face of this team, the three-point contest winner this season, and you put up eight points last night when your team was desperately, desperately trying to cling to 20 point leads you couldn't you couldn't get it done production wise offensively to build upon those leads Carl Anthony Towns you couldn't get it done defensively to not allow the Grizzlies to come back two separate occasions down 20 plus points so Carl Anthony Towns a really disappointing game from the man now he shot well three or four the man shot 75 percent but overall we need that scoring pace and everybody else did well this was really Carl Anthony Towns beefing this game only taking four shots not being more aggressive he's got to be aggressive once again this is a big world folks Joel Embiid don't you see Joel Embiid going aggressive being aggressive don't you see Giannis going out in there and being aggressive come on Carl Anthony Towns these last two games, you have floundered, and in a result, the Timberwolves have lost. I don't want to put it solely on Carl Anthony Towns. The coach here, the Timberwolves, does deserve a little bit of blame from last night's total collapse twice times two. Count them twice, folks. So, not looking great here for Carl Anthony Towns. We need something more aggressive and stepped up here for Game 4 if this Timberwolves team wants to re-get back in the series. Remember, they won Game 1. Everybody was riding high on them, and then here they go, stinking it up here by Carl Anthony Towns these last two games.
But everybody else got it done for the Timberwolves. We had Anthony Edwards, 19 points, 7 rebounds. We have Jared Vanderbilt, 10 points, 13 rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, 22 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. The man shot 4 of 8 from the 3. Fantastic. And then Patrick Beverly doing his thing. 14 points, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. That defensive dog effort. Y'all know we love it. Um, but it all was for naught because Carl Anthony Towns, uh, kind of, yeah, a little bit. Not being aggressive, folks. Even up the bench, Malik Beasley, 11 points. And Jaden McDaniels, 8 points. We'll take that as well. So, Timberwolves just coming up a little bit small last night. Blowing leads is never good. Who do we associate blowing leads with, folks? The Utah Jazz. And do you want to be the Utah Jazz? I could tell you you don't because they lost last night as well at home. Not good. Timberwolves got to get it together. They have it. They have the team. They have the players. They have the players, the depth, the size, everything. They have it all to compete with this Grizzlies team, the number three seed in the Western Conference. Timberwolves go out and take advantage of this great matchup. You must close out this series, and it starts with game four to try and retie up the series 2-2 to now make it a best of three for the remainder of the way. Go out and get it done, Timberwolves. We know you can. We've seen you down dominate this Grizzlies team multiple times. It's not like they only had one run over the last three games. That was good. No, they won game one. Solid game two. Solid game three. But they just couldn't close out. Come on, Timberwolves. We know you're better than this, so go out and get it done. So, Timberwolves get the 104-95 win. They go up 2-1 in the series. And then this is, man, oh, man, the trash talk starting with John Morant. And, you know, once again, John Morant didn't have, uh, you know, really the right to go out here and trash talk because we didn't love his overall offensive performance. It was still good, and it still resulted in a win. It was still a triple-double. We're not knocking John Morant. But John Morant was kind of the first one to clown the Timberwolves a little bit on social media. So, a few games back, Carl Anthony um, on the sideline, mic'd up, talking about, hey, you know, we'll see you back in, you know, Minnesota. You know, we've only seen you here, and we've been kind of beating that ass a little bit. So let's see you at home now. So they took, John Morant took that kind of clip, and he said it himself. See, uh, he said, we in Minnesota now. So, man, oh, man, John Morant getting some nice digs in at the Timberwolves, and we've got no problem. Once again, we've got no problem with players talking their talk, talking their shit, absolutely, but it just puts the pressure on you, unnecessary pressure. So, can John Morant live up to the pressure here that he's kind of putting on himself? Yeah, we think he can, but he's going to have to go out and show it. So game four, Timberwolves extra motivation. John Morant talking shit about him. Carl Anthony Towns. A lot of people in the national media are kind of clowning Carl Anthony Towns a little bit over these last two games. And, you know, we we kind of understand. I mean, we, we pointed it out this game, and we saw what happened in game two. So Carl Anthony Towns going to get kind of his buttons pushed this week before game four, all this happening now. So... We'll see how they come and respond here, but they must respond. They can respond, and we'll see if they do. Game four coming up on Sunday, I believe. All right, here we go. Next game up, we got the Mavs at the Jazz. And folks, folks, the Jazz. How, how truly unfortunate is this Jazz team, folks? Truly, truly bad. No Luka Doncic. They're at home, and they still lose the game. Like, they weren't even, like, winning this game at all. They were always kind of playing from behind, had the opportunity, closed the lead to, like, four, three, two, one points, but then just could never really get over that hump and keep that lead, and they end up losing 126 to 118. This Jazz team now 
now down 2-1. The Mavericks have won two games without Luka Doncic, folks. It's absurd at this point. This Jazz team, they're done, though, folks. Once again, truly done with this Jazz team. There's nothing good on this Jazz team. There's good, there's, I, I guess, I, there's nothing great about this Jazz team. There's nothing about this Jazz team that truly moves the needle and makes us believe that they can win a ring any given year. We have talked about this same Jazz team, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, doing the same things. Yes, they're so great, and Rudy Gobert is always, you know, top three of defensive player of the year discussion, which we never understand. Take a look at this clip yesterday, folks. Exactly what we've been saying. This man can't guard the perimeter, and when we walked through, when we walked through the playoff before they even started, we called this series Mavericks 4-1. 4-1, they'll win. Here they up are. Two up. Or here they are now, up 2-1. Bingo, following that path, not sweating the Jazz, even on the road now, folks. So here we go, let's take it here. Jazz down three, uh, Jazz down four, 101 to 97. There's nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Come back, take the lead, all of that. But look at Rudy Gobert, a liability, liability out here as you're starting to come back. Rudy Gobert on Jalen Brunson, folks. Look at all this room, and look at this man on skates. And this is just an easy mid-range jumper that goes, that falls. But this is Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year candidate. He can't guard anybody on this Mavs team. This is how we know it's a mismatch. And this is why we were so confident on calling the series 4-1 for the Mavericks, folks. So... This Jazz team, look at this one more time. Just shaking them loose. Shaking them loose. Easy peasy. So, it's just not all coming together for the Jazz like it hasn't all came together for the Jazz for the last few years, folks. We're still seeing the same mistakes, and it's truly unfortunate. But let's start here with the Mavericks. How gosh dang impressive. Able to win without Luka Doncic, folks, multiple times. And it's not looking good for Luka Doncic that he may be able to be back at any time in this playoff um, bracket. Not even just for this one series, but for the entire tournament. So, the Mavericks getting it done. They shot the three pretty well. 18 of 42, where the Jazz go 9 of 28, folks. That's the difference. That's always going to be the difference. We know this is just a complete, utter mismatch for the Jazz here, folks. It, it, there's no way they come back and win the series. Absolutely zero way. All right, but here we go. Let's start with the Mavericks. We had Spencer Dinwiddie in the starting lineup. 20 points, 6 assists, 2 of 7 from the 3. We had Reggie Bullock, 12 points, 3 of 6 from the 3 with 6 rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 2 of 7 from the 3. We had Jalen Brunson, 31 points, and he didn't even make a 3. 0 4 from the 3, but still managed to put up 31 points. Those mid-range jumpers absolutely killing Rudy Gobert. That gets you 31 points. That gets you the win on the road. That, once again, makes makes Rudy Gobert look a little clownish, a little clownish. The fact that he's top three defensive player of the year when we've got Draymond Green locking up Jokic on a, the MVP on a game-by-game -game basis out here, folks. We just saw a game winner yesterday. Do we have to skip ahead and see this clip right now? Here it is, folks. Let's quickly uh, switch over to the Warriors-Nuggets game from last night. Nuggets down five with 40 seconds left, trying to, you know, get back in this game a little bit real quick. And Draymond Green covering Jokic, watch this play, pokes the ball free, game-sealing steal right there on the MVP, and the fact that Draymond Green is not top three defensive player of the year here, what are we even talking about at this point, folks, truly, so stop it with the Rudy Gobert, just really, just stop it with the Rudy Gobert, a minus 16 out on the floor last night, mm -mm, not gonna get it done, absolutely mismatch out here for this man.
So, Jalen Brunson, the 31 points, fantastic. And then the bench of the Mavericks, man to man, getting it done magnificently. Maxi Kleber, 17 points on four or five from the three. Talk about stunting. Josh Green, 12 points, six assists, three of five from the three. Yes. And then Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans, the great three point shooter from the Wizards, 15 points, four of seven from the three, folks. They had 11 threes just off the bench alone, the Mavericks did. The Jazz did not have 11 threes for the entire team do you see where the mismatch is now folks yes yes jazz are done they're toast they're burnt toast throw them in the garbage they are done we can call the series now folks what series did we call already we called um oh what what series did we call we called the 4-1 uh man oh man was it Hawks? It wasn't Heat Hawks. They're up, uh, Heat up four. Oh, did we do it? Do it? Oh man, I forgot which one we called already. Darn. Um, I want to say it was the. Uh, did we call four? Oh, did we call the four O sweep on the Hawks? Is that what we called? Is that what we called, folks? Series markets. Let's bet this one while we've got it up. Let's go. Jazz Mavericks. Here we go. Series total. Series correct score. Let's get it up. Yeah, we did. Did we call it 4-0 heat? That's still at plus 190, folks. Get that in. Uh, the series does resume today, but do get that in. 4-0 heat. Bet that. Um, what else do we got here? Where's the series? Here we go. Mavericks Jazz. Call it 4-1, folks. Dallas Mavericks to win 4-1. It's at plus 340, folks. Fantastic. Go out and lock this in. I can't see the, the Jazz winning another game. You don't win the game one of your two-game home advantage. You don't take advantage of that. You don't win the first one to reset the tone, reset the tempo. You don't do that? Oh, interesting. All right. I would have done that, but y'all didn't do that. So go out and bet it, folks, at plus 340. Great odds right there. Mavericks to win the series 4-1. All right, so everybody got it done for the Mavericks. You love to see it. And then for the Jazz, just once again, doing the same exact thing that produces the same exact result. Once again, no change, no difference. Donovan Mitchell, 32 points, 6 assists. He didn't shoot well from the 3, 1 of 8, but he did shoot 47% on 21 shots. That's kind of classic Donovan Mitchell, yeah. Rudy Gobert, 15 points, 7 rebounds. He shot 100%, but could not guard the perimeter, and that's unfortunate because the Mavericks are perimeter. That's all you got to talk about the team. We know they don't even have a big. Maxi Kleber is a little bit of their backup big. The man shot 4 or 5 from the 3. Rudy Gobert is not doing that. Rudy Gobert is not being able to Cover that, folks. Stop it with the Rudy Gobert. A minus 16 on the floor, folks. A liability against three-point shooting teams. And newsflash, you're in the Western Conference. They are all about the three. The Warriors, Jordan Poole, they got three deep at the three. So if you even want to come out, if you want to just get to the finals, you got to pass the Warriors. And there's no way this Jazz team can beat the Warriors. Absolutely no way. So, uh, once again, you've got to blow up this team. It's unfortunate, but that's the only option. We've gotten the same mediocreness over and over and over again, just like the Blazers. We've gotten the same mediocreness. It's it's solid. You know, Don, uh, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, all that, getting it going over their playoff series, but it's just not enough to overcome that hump. There's better teams. There's more explosive, more consistent teams than the Jazz and the Blazers, and they just don't have it to get it done. They just don't have that it factor on their team. So Jazz just got to blow it up. That's all there really is to it. Off the bench, we had Jordan Clarkson, classic 14 points on nine shots, just like that, but no other good help off the bench. So Jazz, they're not deep. Donovan Mitchell, a little bit of a, a, little bit of a ball hog, a little bit, and Rudy Gobert can't guard the perimeter. 
three recipes for disaster that we are seeing playing out live in real time. So Mavericks get the win, 126-118, to 118, and retake a series advantage to 2-1. Alrighty, and then the last game of the night here, and this series is over. Warriors at the Nuggets. Warriors still pull out the five-point win, winning 118 to 113. And uh, once again, it's just kind of the three-point advantage in the defense of Draymond Green. Once again, that kind of game-sealing lockup, game-winning steal on Jokic, the MVP. We've got to give Draymond Green so much credit. And honestly, you give Draymond Green the Defensive Player of the uh, of the Year right award right now. I know you already crowned Marcus Smart as the Defensive Player of the Year, but we take that title from him. And y'all know we love this Celtics team. Y'all know we love Marcus Smart. Y'all know we love everybody on that Celtics team. Coach, players, depth, everything. But, but, I'm telling y'all, we take away that crown and give it to Draymond Green. This is a master class defensively here. Uh, by Draymond Green and Man, oh Man it's just beautiful to watch absolutely beautiful so that alongside you know the greatness by Jordan Poole Steph Curry Klay Thompson all carry the Warriors to a win on the road winning 3-0 and when we talked about this series before the playoffs began we said the Warriors would win in seven four to three and that uh, the Nuggets they would only be competitive if they won their home games that's kind of where we said the three wins were going to come from that they were going to be able to lock in and lock it in um, at home to win those games and make it a tough series to force game seven on the road and that they would need a miracle to win but obviously now down 3-0 not taking advantage of their home court it's series over three down three nothing you're not overcoming that Jokic had a good game last night 37 points 18 rebounds five assists three steals shot two of three from the three and shot 63 percent on 22 shots also a plus three on the floor in a five point loss that's great as well but it just was not enough he does not have enough enough help enough depth enough other good role players or just good three-point shooting ability to keep up with the Warriors. So once again, this is just a complete mismatch. Yes, the Nuggets are good. Yes, Jokic is still kind of MVP caliber. But this is just a bad matchup. Just like the Jazz facing the Mavericks round one. You just run into a bad matchup. Look at what the Bucks did. They lost the last game of the year. So they fell to the three seed. Now, that's not looking like the best decision because it's tied 1-1. But there is better matchups to be had teams do look forward and look ahead to how well they match up against other teams so just unfortunate here with the Nuggets not matching up well for the Warriors last night Jordan Poole still in the starting lineup but Steph Curry getting great minutes the the switch is probably going to happen game four especially now when they're up 3-0 so if they do stumble a game or two it's not the end of the world so watch for Steph Curry to potentially go back into that starting lineup by game four and kind of resetting the lineup resetting the rotations heading into the next series where you know it's going to be a little bit more tough because they're not going to be facing the uh, the Nuggets so do we got the Warriors if they win which they will uh, the Warriors go on and play the winner they will play the winner of Grizzlies Timberwolves and once again that may be a good matchup for this Warriors team as well so the Warriors walk to the Western Conference Finals it's a pretty solid one folks so Warriors watch out for them folks they can easily make the run um, of how well they've been playing these first three uh, playoff games so far is it's 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 truly inspiring <laughs> it's beautiful and it's inspiring folks absolutely so 
Jordan Poole starting last night, 27 points, 3 of 5 from the 3. Klay Thompson, 26 points, 6 of 13 from the 3. And then Steph Curry coming off the bench. He did play 30 minutes last night, 27 points, 3 of 9 from the 3 with 6 assists, with 3 rebounds, doing his classic, you know, splash triplet things out here, getting it done. And then we had Draymond Green, 6 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds, just being that great defender that we know he is. And then we can even shout out Andrew Wiggins. It wasn't a great game overall, but he did hit a huge shot in the fourth quarter to give them a lead a nice three to put them back out on top which they carried for the rest of the game so Andrew Wiggins 9.6 rebounds only took six shots 50% shooting two of four from the three so overall really solid work here by the main Warriors once again Kevon Looney not doing anything only playing nine minutes their bench, nothing that great. We had Gary Payton, 11 points. But once again, when you get Steph Curry coming off the bench, you know, nobody's going to be really taking those shots. They're going to give those shots to Steph Curry, absolutely. So, Warriors getting it done. Man, oh, man, man, oh, man. The big three, the big four. Yeah, I got to expand it to the big four now. Y'all know it. Uh, the triplets plus Draymond Green. So, triplets plus Draymond Green. Get it done for the Warriors, folks. Absolutely magnificent. And then once again, for the Nuggets, Jokic did his thing. 37 points, 3 steals, 5 assists, 18 boards. We had Aaron Gordon, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. Solid game overall. Just once again, the score ability coming up short here, allowing 118 points. To put up 118 points, we're going to need Aaron Gordon with 20-plus points a night. And unfortunately, he's just not reaching that bar, folks. And I know 18 is close to 20, but this was a close game. Went down to the wire, real back and forth, the final 5 minutes. Minutes, but Aaron Gordon not being kind of that scoring threat and everything like that. That's why, once again, Jokic should be in the MVP discussion. He's got no help around him. The second leading scorer was Aaron Gordon with 18 points. Then we had Will Barton, 13 points, but the man shot 38%. Monte Morris, fourth leading scorer, 10 points, but once again, shooting one of five from the three, 36% on 11 shots. There is no consistent scoring besides Jokic. He can give it to you at the three-point line. He can give it to you down low, but other than that there's no other consistency you're just kind of hoping and praying that the other players shots fall that's really all you have to hope for so once again I'm not going to get on the whole debate train that Jokic doesn't deserve the MVP now because you know the Nuggets may be getting swept against the Warriors regular season awards and all that I still give credit to Jokic for what he's done this season and once again I think this sweep here speaks a little bit more to why he deserves MVP more than why he doesn't uh, why he uh, doesn't deserve the MVP so, Jokic trying his best, but nothing great. Off the bench, it was just okay. Nothing great. Some overall decent performances. Once again, nobody taking a lot of shots. But we had Austin Rivers, six points on two shots. Bryn Forbes, five points on two shots. Bones Highland, five points on six shots. Jermichael Green, six points on two shots. And Demarcus Cousins, nine points on four shots. So, overall, it was pretty solid. But once again, still coming up just short. I don't think the Nuggets can squeeze out even a game four out here. So... Warriors get the win, 118 to 113, and uh, extend the series lead to 3 0. Alrighty, those were all the games from last night, but there are two quick stories to cover before we talk about betting tonight in the NBA. And the first one up here, not good news for the Suns team. Well, in return, good news for the Warriors because once again, the Warriors Suns, they would face in the Western Conference Finals. And if Devin Booker is not ready to go, the Warriors may be getting to the finals. Folks, do not sleep on the Warriors of coming out of the West this season because we get this Phoenix Suns star. Devin Booker could miss two to three weeks with a grade one hamstring. 
hamstring strain. So we know Devin Booker is a little bit of their primary score. Lethal, deadly score, need a bucket score, you go to Devin Booker. Now, they still have Chris Paul, you know, facilitator on the floor. Um, I was going to say, you know, you they lose kind of their lifeblood in Devin Booker for the squad, but no, no, no. You know, Chris Paul can still, you know, take over and deliver. DeAndre Ayton can step it up and be more aggressive. We saw him be aggressive with no Chris Paul, so we can see him step it up a little bit, but that's what the Suns are going to have to do. Change kind of how they score, change how they kind of go about business on the floor offensively, go down low, play the pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul, get some nice floaters, get some mismatch and let DeAndre Ayton work down low. That's what you're going to have to do, and we'll see if the Suns can play that style of basketball. I do believe they play tonight. That's one of the games on tonight. Suns, Suns Pelicans, 9.30 on the road here. So this is going to be a big-time test for this uh, Suns team to see if they can overcome with no Devin Booker. We've seen them overcome no Chris Paul. Devin Booker also didn't play one of the one and two in those games, but they still overcame that. Can they overcome Devin Booker in the playoffs with a Pelicans team that is still kind of fighting tooth and nail? This Pelicans team is not giving up. This is a gritty team. They dig in. Valanchunas has been pretty solid so far in the series. So don't sleep, Suns, because if you start sleeping, you're going to probably get bounced first round. So Devin Booker potentially missing two to three weeks here with a grade one hamstring strain. And then the other story that just broke here, the uh, Charlotte Hornets are firing or dismissing head coach James Borrego. And I think that's the right call, folks. I mean, you know, we've seen this Hornets team grow zero over the last two seasons. LaMelo Ball hasn't really increased any. I mean, we loved what we saw from the Hornets last year. Real exciting by LaMelo Ball. Real exciting by Terry Rozier. And we were looking for that kind of next step taken from last season to this season and we got none of that folks and we voiced that all year long so I think this is kind of the right decision here you cannot waste the talent of LaMelo Ball this man is early on in his career there is no time to really kind of all right let's truly no 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 it's got to be good and we've got to be seeing it get better every single year I don't want any any step back at all throughout really anybody's career so LaMelo Ball high name and everything like that Hornets were like eh it's just not working out, not getting better. And once again, what do they use as motivation here? The score of their blowout loss in the playing tournament last season had that final like 40-point blowout score posted in their locker room all year long. And what do they do? Get blown out again in the playing tournament. So obviously your motivational tools don't work. Your coaching tactics don't get the best out of the players when you need to. So it's just unfortunate the Hornets do have to move on. So... Hornets will be looking for a new head coach. We'll see how much of an influence Lamella Ball has, and we'll see which coach is going to be uh, leading this Hornets team with a little bit of pressure on them. You got the stars, you got, you know, solid, you know, once again, making the playing tournament. So got to, once again, just keep taking that next step. So pressure is going to be on immediately for whatever coach gets this opening, but we'll have more time to discuss that in the upcoming offseason. But Head coach James Borrego out for the Hornets. Alrighty, now let's talk about what's on the slate today of NBA playoff basketball, folks, shall we? Um, unfortunately, we did not um, vocalize or publicize our bets yesterday, and I apologize because we did cash in over here, and, you know, I benefited. I'm sorry I didn't give that advice to y'all. I, I know I was selfish. I didn't tweet it out. I truly apologize. I stayed away from the Mavericks game last night. I thought really the Jazz were going to dig, dig, dig in deep and win that game, so I just stayed away from betting that one. But for 
fools on me. Mavs plus seven and a half was just phenomenal, outstanding value. And absolutely, why wouldn't it be fool on me for even thinking about not taking that game? Sorry. Um, but we did take, uh, we took... Um, Warriors on the money line, and we also called it minus four and a half. Good thing. They won by five, so we covered that. And then we took the... What was the first game we talked about? Uh, Grizzlies. We took them on the money line and also minus four and a half, and they covered both of those as well. So... You know, the picks that we had last night, they hit. And once again, we will, uh, you know, we apologize for not getting that information to y'all, the consumers. I want y'all to win when we win too, folks. This is not just me winning. We all, if I'm eating, we all eating, folks, all right? There's a lot of food to go around, a lot of money, a lot of green to go around. If I'm eating, I'm not being selfish with my green. I'm going to let y'all eat too, folks. So y'all remember that, okay? But here we go. Let's give you that same advice. Today, to make money today in the NBA while we're watching this glorious golden age of NBA basketball, folks. So here we go. Where is the value tonight? So here we go. First game up, we got the Heat Hawks. Heat at the Hawks now. Heat up to nothing, looking good. Heat able to close out that game too when it was kind of going down into uh, the wire close in the fourth quarter. Able to kind of end up winning that game by 10 even though it was close. So here we go. Heat on the road for the first time this series. Heat at the Hawks. Heat minus one and a half. Hawks plus one and a half. So, for the Heat, we get Markeith Morris, game-time decision. P.J. Tucker, game-time decision. Caleb Martin, game-time decision. Gabe Vincent, game-time decision. Bam out of bio, game-time decision. What the heck is going on here? A lot of game-time decisions. And I believe Bam out of bio may not be looking that hot to play tonight. Let's head over to NBA Fantasy Labs here. Uh, what else do we get here? Scotty Barnes is doubtful today. All right, that's another game that we got to look out for. Uh, what did you? What do y'all got? Nothing. No really updated news here. What was the last time they said on Bam out of bio? Because that's gonna be like the main one. So we get Gabe Vincent at probable, PJ Tucker questionable, Markeith Morris questionable, Kayla Martin questionable, and Bam out of bio questionable. So questionables on these game time decisions. Now I am going to assume that these players are all going to play. The one that I think I had the most uncertainty on would be Bam out of bio. I've kind of been hearing game two he was even a game time decision and all that. So I think I'm hearing a little bit more buzzing around Bam out of bio not going. So that is probably the one not going to be able to go tonight. But I'm going to give it to Gabe Vincent, Kayla Martin, PJ Tucker, Markeith Morris. I'm assuming that they all will be playing tonight. And then for the Hawks, once again, just no Clint Capella, no Lou Williams. So what they've been rocking with all series long. So I'm going to once again take the heat here. Heat minus one and a half. The Hawks, they just don't have, once again, that killer instinct. They had the killer instinct last season. It did not transfer last season to this season. And that's just, you know, the part of basketball and really kind of the part about sports in general. It's a real fine line of kind of deciphering what is actual good and what's actually kind of luck. It's a real fine line and um, it's disrespectful to call it, you know, if it's skill, it's disrespectful to call it luck. And if it's luck, it's a little disrespectful to call it skill. So it's a tough line, fine line that has a lot of disrespectful implications on it. So we try not to kind of be like, oh, this is just luck. This is all luck. But 
seeing the big step back that the Hawks took from last season to this season, Trey Young is a little bit in the kind of recertification category. Is this man truly as good as he was last season, or was this just kind of a one-year outlier, one-and-done one year, one year being great, and then just kind of being mediocre, mediocre? And we've seen a ton of athletes have one great season, a la Carson Wentz. The man sold me on maybe like one season. And then, you know, he couldn't be healthy, so we couldn't really judge him. But now we see him healthy, and we're like, oh, yeah, this man is, gar <laughs> this man is garbage. Like, really not good. So, Hawks, I, I, ugh, it's just not transferring the last season to this season. Trey Young not being, you know, that deadly assassin from three, deep three and all that, making those big-time plays down the stretch to win games. I mean, we were getting all that all the time last year in the playoffs. Big-time shots by Trey Young. I mean, you could just pick a random game from last year in the playoffs. You'd be like, oh, let's go. Uh, let me do that. I'm going to put this to the test right here. I'm going to choose a random game from last season's playoffs. And Trey Young, I'm sure, had a clutch shot or a man shot or something like that so let me just say here we go random 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 y'all ready for this randomness we're gonna go round two game three round two game three sound good for y'all here we go let's get trey young's uh stats up here shall we round two game three trey young probably had a clutch really great shot yeah let's see if we can bring this up quickly 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 here we go trey young's playoff logs from last season uh, 2021, here we go, series number one, game number three against, uh, well, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not, they lost by 16, Trey Young, 28 points, eight assists, two steals that game, all right, all right, but it did go seven, what did he do in this game seven game, let's, let's go here, yes, game seven, second round against the 76ers, can we get it by the quarter? Trey Young have any big shots? Here we go. Play by play in the fourth quarter. Just hang on with us, folks. Hang on with us. I'm going to show it. I'm going to show it. Here we go. Here we go. Trey Young, big time shot. What do we got? Trey Young making the closeout free throws to win the game. That's pretty good. What else do we got? Trey Young makes another free throw. There it is. Trey Young, three point jump shot. There it is. There's the big shit. Folks, I told you we would find it. Why do you doubt me? Folks, we had to, you know, adjust on the game. We had to find a winning game. But when they were winning, here we go. Let's take it. 30. Let me see how I can read this. Uh, how much time is this? We're in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, three. This counts up. Okay. Okay. There it is. Two minutes, 31 seconds left in the game. They're only up three. They're up 90 to 87. Two and a half minutes left. Only up three on the road. Game seven against the 76ers. Trey Young, three pointer. Trey Young, three pointer. Bingo puts him up six. Fantastic. That's a big time clutch shot right there. Love it. So, yeah, Trey Young, clutch as heck last season. We're really not getting it as much as frequently this season, or really at all. I can't really tell you the last big time shot Trey Young had he had some nice shots in game two but once again they were still able to get blown out by 10 in like a two and a half minute stretch so unfortunate there but but we, we're digressing here let's get back to this game heat at the Hawks we're taking the heat minus one and a half once again just the heat are deeper they're more well coached they lock in that dog mentality and once again Jimmy Butler did it all last game did it all last game. We haven't even gotten Bam Adebayo being great or being good in a game, putting up, like, more than 10 points in the first two games. So what, what are we even talking about? Who cares if Bam, uh, Bam Adebayo plays or doesn't play? He doesn't have to lock up Clint Capella, and they're not relying on him to score the ball. So I'm going to go the Heat minus one and a half here. The Heat can travel well, folks. The Hawks, they're going to have to hope that their home court is rocking and roaring to try and, you know, rock this Heat team. But I don't know if Trey Young can capitalize on all that. I'm going the Heat minus one and a half here tonight, folks.
All right, next game up here, and this is starting to not look real good for this Bucks team, folks. We get Bucks at the Bulls, and this series is tied 1-1. Bucks floundered, beefed the game, lost to the Bulls, and I think uh, I was at a I was at a sh loss for words when I saw that the other day, folks. How the heck do you lose to this Bulls team? Absolutely unacceptable. And now, no Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton done for the remainder of this year. So now the Bucks, who aren't that deep, going to have to rely on Giannis even more. And he's been struggling to win games here. Game one and game two. Game one, they struggled. They blew a big lead. Almost lost the game. Game two, they just straight up beefed the entire game. Kind of right from the rip. The Bulls were a little bit in control that entire game. So this is not looking good for the Bucks. Now, what is good? We only have to swallow two and a half here. That's good. We've been having to swallow 10, and it's never cash. Uh, uh, Bucks minus 10, minus 10 and a half here over games one and two has never cash, but now it's only minus two and a half. So this is where that great value is. Unfortunately, there is no Chris Middleton. So is it even still good value? It's good value because you're facing the Bulls. I haven't not seen any consistency out of this team all year long. So that's definitely working for us, but no Chris Middleton. Mm, not great. So here we go. All the ins and outs here for the Bucks. George Hill is out and Chris Middleton is out. And Chris Middleton's going to be out for this series at minimum and maybe even longer. I think we're getting like an MCL sprain. Not good. And then for the Bulls, we get everybody's good to go for them as well. So Bulls at home, riding all that momentum, able to steal a game. Bucks with no Chris Middleton, gonna be big, bad loss for them, but I still can't find the value in the Bulls, folks. I am still putting my foot down and saying, I'm not believing in this Bulls team. I'm not believing, even if it was just Giannis, 1v5 out there by himself, I think I still take the Bucks minus two and a half, so I can't bet the Bulls, folks. I'm gonna bet the Bucks here, only have to swallow two and a half, love that. Yes, I know no Chris Middleton and all that, but I think they... They have to overcome. The Bucks can't lose first round, folks. I mean, that's like, uh, that's, I can't even factor that as like a true possibility. There's no way. There's no way, folks. Right, right. Are y'all with me in that the Bucks, there's no way that they can lose this, uh, this series after, you know, defending champions and all that. Actively losing, actively losing that final game of the season to drop down to the third seed. So the Celtics get the two seed to face the Nets. The Bucks actively wanted, chose, sought, uh, sought after this Bulls team to face face them you can't lose this series i'm taking the bucks minus two and a half because i can't bet the bulls folks i will not bet the bulls we'll see how they do here at home but i'm still taking the bucks minus chris middleton bucks with no chris middleton is still the favorites here according to vegas gotta go that folks i'm taking the bucks minus two and a half and then here we go the last game of the night we got the Suns at the Pelicans. Suns minus two. Pelicans plus two. And the Suns with no Devin Booker. I think that's going to affect this team because now we're going to have to get another great score who can score at will whenever he wants. Not like a Chris Paul who needs to set up his score ability by just kind of being that facilitator all game long and surprising people in the fourth quarter. I don't know if Chris Paul is going to get out to that great start here. We're going to either need Cameron Johnson or Cameron Payne. Most likely it's going to be Cameron Johnson to come in in the starting lineup and get it done and be that 25, maybe even 30 point a night score. Cameron Johnson's going to have to step in in that role and pick up that offensive slack missing from Devin Booker. And I don't know if I believe in him, folks. Once again, the Suns have the pieces off the bench, but I mean, they really don't rise to the occasion consistently. Consistently, yes, we get a game 
game here and there, which is good, but I got to see consistency here. And I don't think I really kind of attribute the words consistent with Cameron Johnson. No disrespect. He's good. He has the ability to. We just really haven't seen it. So Suns minus two, Pelicans plus two. I think I'm going to the Pelicans here at home, able to feed into that energy. It's going to be rocking and roaring in New Orleans, folks. So for the Suns, Devin Booker out, Dario Sherrick out as well. And then for the Pelicans, everybody's good to go. And I'm taking the Pelicans with the points here. The Suns are going to have to prove that they can get it done without Devin Booker. I'm not going to wait here and be like, well, you know, all right, I'm going to still give credit to the Suns. Like, I'm giving credit to the Bucs. No, no, no. We know the Pelicans are better than the Bulls right off the rip. So we can give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to the Pelicans and then not give the benefit of the doubt to the Bulls. We've seen this. Pelicans team claw and be great and beat the great teams and be consistent with their big three out there on the floor and we are getting the big three out on the floor here tonight and we've seen Valanchunas really good really solid effort game two Suns going to have to switch up their entire how they play basketball. They don't do a lot of with DeAndre and on the pick and roll. It's a lot of kind of, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker creating space and all that. We'll see if the pick and roll game is thriving for the Suns. That's the only way I can see this team winning tonight. So I'm going to take the Pelicans with the two points, folks. Taking the Pelicans here at home. So, what we've got here tonight, folks, we are going Heat minus one and a half, Bucks minus two and a half, and the Pelicans plus two. Now, this is kind of good, folks. Not a lot of big spreads here. So, able to make some money, not having to really, you're really kind of just picking winners out here tonight. Uh, you know, these spreads, you know, not that kind of impactful. You know, you win by one, you you know, you shoot by twos, threes, all that. Y'all know how they score in basketball. And, you know, the end of games, all always kind of that hack of fest, always try to come back. So... Some good solid spreads here, no big points, and I'm trying to take advantage with this Bucks minus two and a half, folks. Bucks minus two and a half, gotta take that. So one final time here, Heat minus a point and a half, Bucks minus two and a half in the Pelicans plus two. Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to go over for today. So now let's shift gears and start talking about some of these NFL stories that we're going to get clarification on. Yes, yes. Uh, we've only been kind of hearing from the... We've only kind of been hearing from... Yeah, some of the players, but it hasn't been this kind of, um, hasn't really kind of been this, I guess I should phrase it like this. This is where, I'll, let me write this in, folks. Let me write this part in. Here it is. Well, we're just getting clarification. <laughs> we're getting clarification, folks. Let's just leave it at that. Let's not try to read into it more than that. It's clarification. So let's hear from this first one up here. Hear about Jimmy G. Because Jimmy G is going to break down the 2021 season for us. We'll hear some quotes. And hopefully we'll also hear about what is in his mind at this current moment. It's been a wild ride so far to, uh, So far this offseason on Jimmy G. After the season ended, both sides, the team and Jimmy G were like, hey, I'm out of here. They both knew it. They both wanted to uh, have, be a player-friendly trade and all that. And then we heard Jimmy Garoppolo had surgery and can't throw for 17 weeks. And then that's really kind of the last thing we heard about it is that no team really wanted a trade for Jimmy G because they would not be able to see this man throw for 17 weeks. So people went another route quarterback-wise or going to settle in the draft or still play the waiting game. So, we still believe right now at this current moment, Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback this season for the 49ers. Uh, but, you know, y'all are fighting us on that. And let's see what we get here by Jimmy Garoppolo. So, let's go into this article and see what this man has to say. All right, so here we go. We're going to, uh, yeah, uh, here we go. Let's read the first lead up. Here we go. 
There's been little to no movement on Jimmy Garoppolo's <clears throat> status with the 49ers since he last spoke with reporters. The same could be said about Garoppolo's ability to throw at this point in time. Garoppolo is in the midst of a shoulder rehab following surgery and isn't yet clear to toss the football around. But that doesn't mean he isn't preparing for whatever his future holds, saying, quote, I'm not where I want to be yet. Obviously, the shoulder surgery went well. Rehab's been going great, but it's a process. And I knew going into the surgery what it was going to take to get the shoulder back right, but we'll be throwing here soon. So got to keep in the right direction. It's a long off season. It's already been crazy with all the trades, guys going to different teams, whatever it is, and absolutely that. I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm going to let the chips fall where they may and work my ass off like I always do. When you do that, good things will happen for you. So Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of like, yeah, I'm a little bit in this limbo place. I don't know. It's just one of those things one of those things where I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. So once again, the, just the overall timeline has changed drastically, folks. Right after the season ended, it's 100% guaranteed Jimmy Garoppolo's gone. Then this, uh, right before the, Jesus Louise, folks, I apologize today. Um, Right before, right before Jimmy Garoppolo kind of was not going to have, uh, right before Jimmy Garoppolo had shoulder surgery, Adam Schefter came out and what did he say, folks? Hey, it's not a home run that the man's going to be traded. And then the shoulder thing came out. Hey, he can't throw for 17 weeks. All the other teams making their quarterback's decisions already. So I'm still on the belief that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the 49ers quarterback, folks. If, for the season, and once again, that's good, y'all should not be fighting that, y'all should not be fighting for Trey Lance to be the guy, folks, um, so, I, 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 once again, folks, y'all know how we feel, we've never, we've never really believed in Trey Lance, and really thought that was the best move going forward, but what else do we get here, let's keep going here, next lead up, Garoppolo has proven to be an ideal teammate even when it's been clear that the plan is to replace him. The veteran manned the starting role in 2021 after San Francisco moved up to the third round and took Trey Lance. And instead of following self-pity to en envelop him, he led the 49ers to the NFC Championship game and did so while battling multiple injuries. Folks, those last two sentences or that last sentence in general, that's exactly why I never understood y'all wanting to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. This man is a warrior. First time playing with the 49ers. First year, he gets injured. He could have, oh no, oh no. But what did he do? He followed it up by getting to the Super Bowl. And then, hey, Jimmy, we're going to move off of you. And what did he follow that up with? Getting to the NFC Championship game and only losing to the Super Bowl winner Rams. That's a pretty good loss, I would say. So I just never understood. This man is a winner. This man is a warrior. And y'all want to throw this man in the garbage every chance y'all get. I don't get it. But here we go. Quote says, quote, it was a strange year. I don't know if I'd wish that on anybody. It worked out. We're here now. So just rolling with the punches. And that's why we like Jimmy Garoppolo. Never making the noise. Never kind of doing this and that. Always doing the right thing. I mean, this man's got leverage on days, folks. This man truly has big time leverage. So much leverage that he's still able to kind of make the 49ers think, hey, maybe we don't start Trey Lance here, right? Maybe we wait one more year or just kind of wait one more year to see if Jimmy Garoppolo is actually like still good or not. Like, do we wait? Do we keep it? Like, that's how much leverage Jimmy Garoppolo has. If he had no leverage they would have traded him for nothing hey you're not picking where you get to go you don't have any say in where you get to go you're going to the Panthers and you will like it you will go to the worst team in the league and you will like it 
But Jimmy Garoppolo has leverage. He's been the warrior. He's been the winner. He's good. He's good. That's leverage all you need. Being good. He's good. So, man's got leverage, folks. You got to get the leverage. Kyler Murray got to get the leverage. All right. Um, what else do we get here? Do we got to keep going to this article? Let's go to this next lead up. See if we're still on track here. Here we go. Um, where were we? Where were we? Here we go. Here we go. Um, here we go. Yep. Let's keep going. Garoppolo's effort and a stagnant quarterback market might lead him back to San Francisco. Anticipating an offseason trade, Garoppolo essentially said his goodbyes on February 1st, but the quarterback carousel spun wildly without leaving room for him. Since then, the 49ers have publicly stated they likely won't release Garoppolo if they can't find a suitable offer for him, leaving open the possibility... He returns to play another year with the San Francisco. And once again, y'all should be cheering for that to happen. I'm cheering for that to happen. If that happens, he might have to win a quarterback competition. No, he won't. No, he won't. Stop that. If they keep him, he doesn't have to beat out Trey Lance, folks. That's not happening. Stop that. Um, if that happens, he might have to win a quarterback competition with Lance to keep his job. No, he won't. Lance will have to show us something good, and he won't do that. So he's not going to get the start. Garoppolo did not show up in Santa Clara for the team's offseason workouts this week, but with his rehab still far from complete, it's no surprise he's not lifting weights with his teammates. A notable teammate receiver, Debo Samuel, also wasn't in attendance and might not be a 49er in 2022, at least if this trade request is satisfied. So Garoppolo now on Debo Samuel says, quote, I don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, what the reasons are for everything, but what they would be getting in Debo is one of the best players that I've ever played with, one of the best football players, one of the best guys I've ever played with, and I've been with Debo since he was a rookie, so I've seen him evolve and grow. The way that he sets the tone for us in practice and games and meetings, whatever, he puts his heart into it, and you've got to appreciate a guy like that, just a teammate that's willing to put it all on the line for you however this thing works out for him he deserves his money he's going to get it one way or the other I just wish the best for him he's an all-time and I just appreciate him as a friend so great leader I mean gushes about his teammates why do you want to throw this man in the trash every second y'all get folks never got it never got it so that's what we've got by Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a real up-in-the-air decision, but, folks, he's going to be the 49ers starting quarterback this season. Get over it. Get used to it. Accept it. Let's all move on because this gives the 49ers the best chance to win the ring. And y'all know how I know that is because Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten you to that point. Had you knocking on the door. Trey Lance, we don't know anything about this man. Folks, he came in during the COVID year. Year. We don't know if this man is still good. He had one good year in the FCS. Damn, damn. So I'm sticking with Jimmy G, folks, and y'all should probably start to uh, warm up to that idea as well. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going anywhere, folks. So little clarification there. Thought it was going to be better, but uh, okay. All right. Hopefully this one's a little bit better too. So let's go on to this clarification now, talking about the Cardinals. So here we go, the clickbait. Quote, Cardinals owner Michael Bidwill on trading Kyler Murray saying, quote, yeah, that's not happening. That's just too much outside noise that people listen to. We understand that's just part of what goes on these days with social media. It's just not the case. Okay. Once again, everybody telling us how it is. Oh, no, there's just too much noise. Nothing's going on here. Once again, Kyler Murray, I delete everything. That's just my generation. That's what millennials do. That's what people do on social media. We post everything, get the likes, love it, and that we just delete it. 
Yeah, that's not how things work out here, folks. The dirty laundry has already been aired. I already smelled the dirtiness of the laundry, and I'm not forgetting that garbage scent that I had to sniff for a, a couple of weeks, folks. So... Now everybody's walking everything back on Kyler Murray, and um, let's let's um, compare this to something else that we just saw play out to exactly how we all thought it would end up being played out by or how. But Russell Wilson, once again, Russell Wilson made the big stink two off seasons ago. Hey, I don't want to get hit anymore. What's up with that? Can somebody give me a better offensive line? And then he kind of retracted that statement. No, that got blown out of way out of proportion, and that's where we are currently right now in the Kyler Murray. Uh, saga, I guess. We're at that point. Kyler Murray made the big stink. Now they're all walking it back. Russell Wilson made the big stink. Hey, I don't want to get hit. They all walked it back. That's where we are currently with Kyler Murray. Now, but what happened with Russell Wilson? Everything was kind of peachy. They all swept it under the rug. Not a lot was kind of re-brought up on that. There was never any other outburst by Russell Wilson or the Seahawks for the entire remainder of that offseason. People would talk about it, but they would kind of talk about it like, hey, you know, he brought it up once. Nobody really kind of harped on that. Then the season played out, and the season did not play out too well for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and all that. They didn't make the playoffs. I believe that was his first losing season in history for the man. And then, what happened this season? This was the year that everything moved. They officially trade Russell Wilson. Last season, we're never trading Russell Wilson. Everything's peachy. Everything's fine. You know, we talked it out. We're all on the same page. We're moving forward, right? So, yes, we're really not expecting anything to, for, to happen for Kyler Murray this season, get traded this year. But next year's when everything will truly be clear. Are they all good? Are they all on the same page? Or was this, kind of, this just optics, PR, hey, we're putting this out there. So, watch for next season Kyler Murray to be traded, Yes. But let's see what they're all saying now. What excuses these guys are saying now. Everything's peachy. You don't have to worry about everything. You took that. Y'all read into that. Once again, a little Riddler-ish. Y'all took Kyler Murray vocalizing you know, him wanting to get muddy and his agent putting out that letter and him uh, you know, taking everything Cardinals off of his social media. Y'all looked into that? <laughs> y'all looked into that? Why would y'all do that? No, of course, nothing. Okay, okay, okay. Um, all right, but here we go. Let's uh, read the first lead up here and see what the owners of this Cardinals team are saying on Kyler Murray. So here we go. As the world turns for the Arizona Cardinals and disconcerted quarterback Kyler Murray, team general manager Steve Keem has made it known that trading the franchise quarterback isn't in the cards. Asked Thursday at a pre-draft news conference if Murray, who is not expected to play for the team until he gets a contract extension, could be traded, Keem's reply was short and emphatic, saying, quote, zero chance, zero chance, zero chance we trade that man, zero chance. So he's saying zero chance, and then Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray puts out the most unrobotic, uh, yeah, I want to be here. This is Kyler Murray on Twitter. I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. AZ is home. Does that sound like he likes the Cardinals? Does that sound like Arizona is truly home? I mean, this sounds like a bot wrote it. This sounds like an AI wrote it. Like, hey, um, you know, just send out a tweet that um, seems like Kyler Murray wants to say here. That's what you. That's what you would feed into the machine, into the AI, into the computer. Hey, you know, uh, you're trying to pretend to be Kyler Murray. Hey, uh, we need a tweet about you wanting to stay here. You love the Cardinals, all that. I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. AZ is home. 
Arizona is my home. I love Arizona. Couldn't even spell out Arizona, folks. Did the state abbreviation. Capital A, capital Z. AZ is home. Arizona is home. I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. AZ is home. Does this sound like Kyler Murray? Is back in kind of, all right, we swept everything under the rug. All right, we're on the same page here. Everything's cool as a clam in Arizona. Does this sound like everything's cool as a clam here in Arizona? Of course not. So wait till next year. Of course, nothing's going to happen this season. Nothing was going to happen this season anyway. If you got a contract extension, that would have happened this season. But, um, you know, that's not happening because <laughs> the Cardinals are like, hey, we still don't really know what's up here on you. We're still not 100% sold on you. Can you get it done without DeAndre Hopkins? Can you just get it done in a big game in general? Like, we, we still got a little question marks here. So, next year, folks, is going to be when this whole Kyler Murray saga gets concluded, gets resolved. So, everything, we're at this point where we walk everything back on the Cardinals. Everything swept under the rug. Why are you bringing all this up? We're all on the same page now. Just like exactly what happened with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Everything was swept under the rug, but the problems were, were, still, were still there the entire year. And then this year, that's when the decision was made. Yeah, we're trading Russell Wilson. Even though he's great, even though he won us a Super Bowl, even though he got us to two games, two Super Bowls, yeah, we're still letting him go. We still have to trade him. So maybe not this season he gets traded, but next season, absolutely. All right, let's uh, uh, read one more tweet here or one more quote. Here's the lead up. <clears throat> Murray is entering his fourth season of his rookie contract with the Cardinals likely to pick up his fifth year option. The timing of Murray's hard line on an extension is of note, even more so when considering he's coming off of a 2021 season that was a disappointment for the quarterback in the franchise as a whole. Murray was a uh, 55% completion percentage for 137 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions in the Cardinals season ending NFC wildcard loss to the LA Rams. It brought to an end a champ, uh, campaign in which Arizona began a 7-0 start and ended with a five losses in its last six games. Saying, quote here, uh, Steve Keem again says, quote, nothing's changed. Really, the way we've approached it is we have free agency, we have the draft, and then we'll take a deep breath and sort of refocus. That's the same reason that every other player that's been a third-year quarterback has done in the middle of summer to late summer, and it's no different for us. It's just sort of the way that system works. Nothing has changed as far as him being our long-term and short-term quarterback, yet they're not paying him, right? So Kyler Murray wants to get paid. That's not going to ever change. Him winning is just going to want to be getting more money. Him not winning, he's going to be like, well, I wasn't motivated enough to win. So all that. So nothing's going to change. Kyler Murray's still going to be upset until he gets paid. And until he gets paid, he's going to have these ro robotic responses. I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. AZ is home. Yeah, real convincing, Kyler. All right, and then, you know, going back onto on the topic of the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, A.J. Green not going to the voluntary workouts. Look what we have here, folks. Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay on voluntary practices says, quote, everyone should definitely be here. Everyone should definitely be here. There's really no excuses of why anybody's not here. So exactly that. Kyler Murray, A.J. Green, everybody should be there. There's no excuses. Why are y'all not getting it done? Y'all say y'all want to, you know, win rings and get better and all this, but but then you don't go to voluntary workouts the first chance to get acclimated and put everything into progress to or process to get on the same page 
to build that repertoire, to build that relationship even more, y'all are actively not doing it. So once again, these players are not serious about getting better. They just want to get paid and really that's it, which we don't care. You know, money's everything. So absolutely everyone's just trying to get paid. But once again, don't be surprised. Don't be upset when the Cardinals move off of Kyler Murray next season. All right, but uh, let's hear from our man, Kenny Galladay, because he's got some wisdom right here, folks. Here we go. Most key players report. All right, let's go up to this last one. Here we go. The New York Giants kicked off voluntary minicamp this week, a benefit for new head coaches, which allows them. Here it is, a benefit for new head coaches, which allows them to get on the field with players for light work, while most teams are restricted to conditioning at this stage of the offseason process. But once again, benefit for new head coaches. Yes, there's benefits in this. And I know the Cardinals, they don't have a new head coach. The, uh, the Giants do, um, but once again, getting on the same page, there's benefits to this. This is why the NFL allows the teams with new head coaches to start their voluntary uh, workouts earlier, like a week earlier. The teams that start first have new head coaches. There's a reason they do that. It's a little bit of an advantage. Take advantage. Kyler Murray, get in these uh, voluntary workouts. Work out with your teammates. Get on that repetition. Get on that rhythm. And uh, just expand your leadership. Get, be a better leader. Go out and get it done. But you don't do that. Kenny Galladay is doing that and really kind of wants everybody to do it as well. Here we go. Next lead up. Most key players reported to the voluntary workouts to get a taste of Coach Brian Dable's scheme. After struggling last season, big money receiver Kenny Galladay was in attendance saying, quote, I mean, I guess you could say that's how much it means to me, especially coming off of last season. I feel like the whole team is just trying to start off on a good note. Everyone should definitely be here. I feel like the whole team is just trying to start off on a good note. The Cardinals have not started on a good note so far this season. This is why we are not sold on them heading into this season. The Cowboys are not on a good note so far this season. Why we're not big on them heading into this offseason. Who are we big on? The Dolphins, who have been knocking it out of the park here so far. Getting on the same, getting on a good note, starting on a good note here. That's why we bet $10,000 on the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl, folks. That's the reason. So, once again, Kenny Galladay speaking with about here. Yeah, everyone should be here. Really kind of not a debate. Why aren't you here? There's no reason not to be here. What else are you doing besides not being here? So, once again, we're not buying into the Cardinals now that the, you know, the owner says, of course, we're not trading Kyler Murray. We love him. He's our quarterback. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, he's also still not there. And he's also still going to have a gripe with you because you're not paying him and all that. So, does it really matter what you're saying? I don't think it's going to hold that much weight. But... We'll see how it continues to progress. Once again, this offseason, very, very long, folks, and we've just kind of started to scratch the surface. I mean, after the draft, there's still months on months of offseason, so uh, this is great. <laughs> it's great, folks. Once again, this is the best offseason. There's news stories. There's quarterbacks being traded. There's so much change uh, with greatness uh, going to new teams and all that. And once again, folks, we are really kind of still in the thick of it, so whoosh, sheesh, fantastic. All right, here we go. Let's uh, keep going here. We get Debo Samuel news. And man, oh man, this is really kind of taking a turn. And once again, why is that? Why are the 49ers trying to blow up everything? Let's get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Debo Samuel, yeah, we're not really going to pay him, but he is our whole offense, you know, the whole uh, wide bag. Let's use him in every single situation, run and pass game, all that. So 
The 49ers want to actively get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he's brought you to the big game and multiple NFC Championship games. You want to get rid. You don't want to pay Debo Samuel because he for why? I don't understand why they're still not paying him. But all all, all that. So I don't understand what the 49ers are just doing in general. Why are you not making anybody happy? Why are you not securing anybody? Why are you trying to like win with like unproven talent? Like that's like what Kyle Shanahan's trying to do. Like oh, I don't need good players to win. I can win regardless. Is this a little bit of an ego getting in the way of the 49ers? I don't get it. Like, oh, the Kyle Shanahan, I recruited uh, Trey Lance. I scouted Trey Lance. He's great. I want to win with him. Like, what is going on here with the 49ers? You just had a proven winning year, got to the NFC Championship game, and now you're not wanting to return anybody? Wanting to bring anybody back? But here we go, Debo Samuel, folks, not looking good here for the 49ers to keep him. And why does, 40, why does Debo Samuel want to leave? He is not getting paid? Maybe he knows Trey Lance is going to start. Does that play any into it? Hey, I'm not playing with Trey Lance. The man sucks. The man's not good. I'm going to be here with Jimmy Garoppolo or I'm leaving. So it's just real interesting on what this 49ers team is doing. This like There's so much chaos and controversy this offseason for the 49ers when there really shouldn't have been. This should a team that really wasn't even talked about, like making moves in the background to continue to be a great team in the NFC. But here they are doing really kind of everything wrong every step of the way. It's really kind of uh, unheard of, folks. It's really kind of unusual. But let's talk about Debo Samuel. So here we go. Lots to talk about here. A, lot of, a big interesting case. Multiple things to talk about. But here we go. Overall, Debo Samuel, unhappy, wants to be paid, wants to be one of the highest paid receivers. And I think we're kind of talking about 22 to 25 million a year. That's kind of what he's looking for, 22 to 25 million a year, which is definitely high end. Um, so Debo Samuel wants to get paid. The 49ers are like, eh, let's hold off on that. You know, classic. Uh, but then we get some information here. Debo Samuel, he, his brother posted a comment on one of the Facebook posts that Debo Samuel is requesting a trade. So somebody says, trade him. And then his, Debo Samuel's brother says, don't worry, we asking for a trade. So Debo Samuel wanting a trade, an official trade from the 49ers. Then we get this. Debo Samuel has made a stance known. He is frustrated with the 49ers, and it seems like he wants to play elsewhere. Keep an eye out for this. The draft is nine days away. Teams have already shown interest in trading for him. And according to these reports right here, the 49ers already declined two offers for Debo Samuel that were kind of significant. And the two teams that uh, allegedly tried to tried to trade for Debo Samuel are the New York Jets and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Jets are kind of the biggest name out there that is talking about if Debo Samuel Debo Samuel were to leave the 49ers, the Jets would kind of be the team to get him. Now, if he goes to the Ravens, I kind of like that, especially kind of in that kind of wide back role with the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, more of a running team and all that. He would definitely fit extraordinarily well in that Ravens offense and scheme and fit and everything like that. So, Jets and the Ravens reportedly tried to trade for him, but the 49ers declined all those options. Now, what else do we have? We've got teams now trying to recruit Debo Samuel. Now that is kind of a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more vocalized that he's wanting to get traded. So, we get DeAndre Hopkins on Twitter saying, Carolina boys good anywhere with the photo of him and Debo Samuel. So, the Cardinals, that would definitely, you know, make Kyler Murray a little bit happier. Also, maybe not a lot happier because you're like, hey, instead of paying me, you're going to 
gonna spend money on another guy out here like where's my money and all that but it would definitely help him win a ring to get him more leverage hey i won the super bowl all that so either way i think kyler murray would like to have debo samuel the cardinals would like to have debo samuel and this would definitely kind of take away from the distraction so far that has been going on around kyler murray and all that so if the cardinals do get deandre hopkins it could be great for the team for Kyler Murray to be, once again, good at a quarterback position and have the pieces offensively, but then also to kind of get this overall initial story about Kyler Murray being upset, it just kind of, you know, fades into oblivion now because everyone's talking about Debo Samuel. So, DeAndre Hopkins recruiting Debo Samuel, but he's not the only one. We get Derek Carr, who's getting a little bit greedy out here. You just got Devontae Adams, great, but now you're going on Debo Samuel as well? So, Derek Carr quote tweets a tweet saying Debo Samuel has requested a trade from the 49ers and said dang man that's crazy he does everything on the field haha ha. so he's like hey you know if you want to come over here we respect you we utilize you everything like that um, I don't know if the, uh, the Raiders have money for Debo Samuel I doubt he goes to the Raiders and then what else do we have on this one? Debo Samuel wants to be true wide receiver, not a running back wide receiver hybrid. This is kind of what's starting it all. He wants to get paid, and you get paid by position. And if you, if uh, you know, the team's like, hey, you're a wide receiver and a running back. You know, we can't really pay you wide receiver money. We can't pay you top wide receiver money. So, you know, Debo Samuel, no, no, no. I want to be the receiver. I want to get paid receiver money out here. Once again, running backs don't get paid paid folks it's unfortunate uh receivers get paid so if you're a running back slash receiver you're not going to get paid top wide receiver money so Debo Samuel's like yeah that's cool what I was doing last year but no 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 if that's going to affect my money I just want to be a true wide receiver so that's playing into it the money's playing into it him wanting to be a true wide receiver the 49ers like hey we want to use you schematically running wide back everything like last season and all that and Debo Samuel's like nah 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 so tons of moving parts here with the 49ers we get Debo Samuel, we get uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, we get Debo Samuel wanting money and just being the receiver. 49ers like, yeah, we can't really do anything on the money front, and eh, you're still going to be a wide back. So not looking great with the 49ers, and once again, you had it all. I mean, you're knocking on the door of the Super Bowl almost every single season, and you're making it so hard. Like It's like they're actively trying to hinder the team's success. I don't get it. So we'll see what's happening with uh, Debo Samuel, but it seems like he's going to be off of the 49ers, folks. All right, here we go. Let's keep going on. We got the next story up here talking about two, a little bit of clarification on him. And once again, y'all need to come around on the Tua train. Some people already are, folks. Let's talk about this. And I want to talk about this quickly. But, um,. This is, we believe in Tua, absolutely. Uh, no debate, you know, he's great. Most accurate quarterback in the league, absolutely fantastic. But everybody in the media has been knocking Tua. And what I just saw a couple of days ago was really interesting. And I think people are starting to overcompensate for Tua so they can still, so they can kind of play both sides. I think that's kind of what we're getting here with, uh, you know, all those kind of Tua non-believers. And it was basically like everybody, folks. Um, so all these people, now trying to kind of express support for Tua, but also at the same time setting him up for failure because Colin Coward projected uh, Tua's 2021 stats 
And uh, this is what he said, and he, and he put it very high, folks. He put this very high. Completion percentage is at 69%, which is fantastic, folks. We love that. Y'all know we would love 69%, and Tua definitely has the accuracy to be 69%. But that is so high, folks. That is absolutely so high. You're setting anybody up, whoever you put at, whoever you put that kind of pressure on. Hey, you got to throw 69% completion percentage this season. Anybody, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter. That's a high-ass bar for for anybody, and you're going to put it on Tua, third year in the league, new head coach this year, kind of new system schematically all over the place offensively, you're going to put a bar at 69%, like damn, damn Colin, like you're setting this man up for failure, playing both sides a little bit, hey, I believe in Tua, he could throw 69%, he's great. But then when he doesn't live up to that, hey, you know, we kind of told you, you know, Tua, you know, still has, you know, some growth, still has some, uh, still can get better, all that. All right, all right. People are starting to play both sides on the Tua train, folks. This is, you know, the next thing we have to look out for. But I just want to go, let, 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 let's go to Aaron Rodgers' career stats, folks, yes? Somebody y'all hold very high, yes? Like, let's look at his completion percentage numbers, folks. 69% is high, folks, is high. This is, um... This is every single year for Aaron Rodgers, folks. Here we go, starting from year one all the way up to this season. 63, 64, 65, 68, 67, 66, 65, 60, 65, 64, 62, 62, 70, 68. So Aaron Rodgers has only thrown 69 or better once in his career, 68 or better three times in his career. So, I mean, this is just a high standard for anybody, folks. So, this is what we're getting. Everybody's over overcompensating for Tua, setting him up for value and everything like this. So he predicts 69% completion percentage and 23 touchdowns and 8 interceptions for Tua this season. Once again, uh, we love Tua. He's accurate. I'm not trying to lessen um, how great Tua is going to be, but this is just setting him up for failure a little bit, folks. I would call like 67. I think that's a little bit more reasonable. 67, 69 is kind of crazy. Doable, but crazy. All right, but let's go back to this now. Tua uh, talking now, we get the clickbait quote, Tua on the Dolphins offensive additions, saying it's more of an opportunity that I get, that we all get as a team, to show what we can do this year, and once again, just Tua's attitude, his leadership, it's absolutely fantastic, he's always cool as a cucumber, even given the dysfunction that Brian Flores kind of put him through for two years, or just overall the Dolphins organization, Stephen Ross included, um, but now that he's got an offensive-minded head coach, all these weapons, you know, he's still the same cool clan that he's been, but now we know he's excited. And you can hear this in his voice. Every time he opens his mouth, you can hear the sheer excitement now with everything kind of going his way. He's got the support. Everybody supports him. They're building around him. He knows he's the guy now. No debate, no question. Am I the guy? Am I not the guy? He is the guy. So all that, the man is acting cool. He's uh, gushing. You can see him glowing every time you look at him. So once again, the Dolphins are the team that every Everybody should be big on at the current moment. So let's see what uh, what we get out of our man to uh, here we go <laughs> first lead up. 
Miami did nearly everything possible to put Tua in a position to succeed. If he fails, there will be no more excuses. And once again, folks, everybody's like speaking so aggressively too. Oh, no more excuses after this year. No more excuses. Once again, this is year three. Y'all are still actively holding out for Sam Darnold and Cam Newton. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Why is this such a do or die season for Tua? He's not been dying the last two years. The man's been living. He's been getting it done the last two years. I don't understand where this narrative of, hey, this is it now. No more second chances like he got a second chance to begin with. Um, so it's just, it's crazy, folks. It's honestly crazy. We've been studying it. We've been analyzing it. Just the sheer narratives, the sheer talk around Tua. It's bizarre, folks. It's truly bizarre. It makes no sense. So just watch out for how people phrase things. Once again, you know, if he fails, you know, Miami did everything possible to put Tua in a position to, to, to succeed. If he fails, there's no more excuses. We get Kevin Patra, you know, setting up this narrative. Colin Coward saying, hey, I can see 69%. And if he doesn't get 69% completion percentage, eh, he's not a good quarterback. So once again, everybody's still setting this man up to fail. Yes? Man, they're trying to play both sides of the fence, folks. And we see right through it. I see right through it. I see right through it. All right, here we go. Quote says, quote, I think pressure is going to be there every time. I don't feel more pressure than what the, that we've acquired all these guys. It's more of an opportunity that I get, that we all get as a team to show what we can do this year. So once again, not, you know, taking anything to heart, you know, hey, I, no, no more pressure. Oh, yeah, we just got weapons. More opportunity for me, more opportunity for the team. Let's go get it. Let's go get better. It's, it's fantastic, folks. It's this man's leadership and his composure is just, it's off the charts. And then the final thing right here, Tua spoke glowingly of McDaniel and how he has already helped the quarterback grow from his first two seasons. Instantly helped grow. We're like two months from the end of last season, and this man is already growing already in this short two months off season already because you got the right guys, head coach. I mean, y'all know. I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, folks. I do not care. You got to get that offensive-minded head coach at the head coaching position, folks. Here we go. Final quote says, quote, I sat down with the head coach and we went over about 150 clips of throws, throws that need to be better, throws that were good, all sorts of throws. The reason as to why he showed me that is it transitions to the way he kind of schemes up the offense. Really, the biggest thing for us is yak yards after the catch. We want to yak the heck out of teams. So, I mean, you got Jalen Waddle, you get Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you're going to be yakking it up out there. So, to... Uh, has an already great relationship with Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniels already had a, all those 150 clips queued up to go and show to it. Be like, hey, this is what I like. This is what we need to work on. And we're going to be yakking it up out here. So it's all looking good for Tua. Everything's looking good. But watch out for the snakes in the grass. The snakes in the grass that are trying to play both sides of the, uh, sides of the fence while also setting him up for failure. 69% completion percentage. That's crazy, folks. That's crazy great. It's doable. It's achievable. We've seen it. But for a third-year quarter, quarterback like this first real time to take command of an offense I still think that's a little bit too high folks a little bit too high all right, what else do we get here? Let's uh, end it here. Let's uh, probably last thing we can go over quickly here. Um, and this is funny, folks, because once again, the whole Car Carolina Panthers organization, it's a dysfunction. All the coaches are bad. We're not buying into any of this Carolina Panthers team at all, folks. Jimmy Garoppolo will not be the Panthers starting quarterback this season. Stop that, please. Because we get this. New Panthers offensive coordinator Ben Na McAdoo declares Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback and then walks back. 
respect the statement, folks. Yes, yes, yes. Let's read this article, see how it all went down. But this man, he doesn't even know. There's no plan in place, folks. People are just talking willy-nilly out here. And uh, you know, we know you, you do not say anything. If you're a part of a team, you don't say anything. You keep everything under wraps. If you don't know who the starting quarterback is, you don't say who the starting quarterback is. You, you don't just say, oh, yeah, he's a starter, all that. So we, we get no... No, um, no accountability, I would say. I mean, you got these coaches randomly talking. So once again, Matt Rule is not keeping the organization in order. Everything's spilling out here. Not good. They don't know how to gauge talent. The Panthers are truly not good, folks. It's not a good organization. But here we go. Let's see what Ben McAdoo is up with is up to, folks. Yes. All right, here we go. Ben McAdoo is once again in charge of an offense, this time in Charlotte with the Carolina Panthers. He didn't get get off to a the smoothest start. McAdoo spoke with reporters on Tuesday and was predictably grilled on the future of quarterback Sam Darnold, who, like McAdoo, once called New York home and is currently attempting to reclaim his NFL future with the Panthers. McAdoo responded affirmatively. When asked if Darnold would be Carolina's starting quarterback in 2022 before realizing he's made an early mistake, saying, quote, One of the things I've been working on is being better talking to you people, the media. So announcing the starting quarterback here, I just put my foot in my mouth. That wasn't something I should have said. So once again, Ben McAdoo, yeah, the fact that he got a head coaching job to begin with with the Giants, now we knew that was just to set him up as uh, the fall man for moving off of Eli Manning. Because remember, it was Ben McAdoo who benched Eli Manning and ruined his kind of consecutive start streak and it outraged everybody. But the Giants needed to do something to move off of Eli Manning and Ben McAdoo was the scapegoat guy. It's unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, we saw him as a head coach. Never really did anything for us as a head coach. We were kind of scratching our eyes like, this is the guy you chose? Okay, interesting there. Never panned out. And now he's here, another coaching hire with the Panthers as the offensive coordinator. So, Ben McAdoo, not knowing what to say. Matt Rule, not running a tight ship over here. Hiring Ben McAdoo for the first place. Like, this is the man that's going to figure out this offense. It's going to be Ben McAdoo. Okay. Ben McAdoo with Sam Darnold. Two unproven guys. Okay, that's going to work out. So, once again, no believability, no faith here in Carolina. Not looking good. Still not really looking good at all. All right, just uh, quickly to close out here, we got to kind of close out some of these stories. Uh, Jared Goff would have no concern if the Lions selected quarterback in the upcoming draft. Interesting. Jared Goff wanting some pressure, wanting some uh, quarterback duel out here, quarterback competition. Let's quickly see what we get here by Jared Goff. Goff said Thursday he'd have, quote, no concern if the Lions decided to draft a quarterback, saying, quote, I trust those guys. They've expressed a lot of confidence in me and feel good about where I'm at and where I'm at with, with them and where we're headed. I I'm excited about it, but if anything were to happen there, drafting a quarterback, no, no concern. So, you know, he's saying, hey, you know, uh, they've been real with me. They've been up front. You know, they, you know, see what I do well. They're confident in me. Not too confident. Once again, the general manager is like, you know, we need more out of Jared Goff. Dan Campbell's like, yeah, I'm cool with Jared Goff. But Jared Goff's cool with, you know, if they select the quarterback in the draft, push him a little bit, get the best out of him, that competition. Young quarterback going against an older quarterback, pushing each other, see who goes out and wins a starting job. But Jared Goff, not going to complain, not going to complain. Not that he has any right not uh, to complain, obviously, but, you know, not complaining out here. So Jared Goff, we'll see if anybody pushes him uh, for QB number one. 
Then we get this. Uh, Pete Carroll says DK Metcalf has, quote, shown a really good mentality with contract situation looming. And once again, folks, you know, we talk about, you know, the, you know, the people maybe going about it the wrong way or maybe not the way that we would go about, you know, contract extensions with Kyler Murray and all that. But once again, DK Metcalf and the Seahawks team, they lose Russell Wilson. They lose that leader. And DK Metcalf, he's not tripping. He's not trying to get out of Seattle. He wants to take over and own that leadership role and everything. And then this whole contract situation, Pete Carroll saying he's shown a really good mentality. So losing Russell Wilson, contract status up, and this man is still wanting to be the leader here in Carolina. Well done, DK Metcalf. Loving everything about this. There's other ways than just kind of kicking and screaming in the national media on social media and everything like that. So I wanted to, you know, talk about this to highlight and, you know, shout out DK Metcalf for just being a great team player, being a great teammate and everything like that. There's other ways to go around things, folks. You can you can handle business. You can handle things multiple ways. Um, you know, I know just kind of the, you know, the Kyler Murrays, they get all the attention in the national media and everything like that. But shout out to DK Metcalf so far handling it the right way, not forcing his way out, um, not demanding all this money and everything like that, you know, showing a good mentality, working with the team, everything like that. You got to respect and shout out DK Metcalf. All right, and then uh, Devontae Parker, and I want to talk about this quickly as well. This is probably how we'll end the show. But Devontae Parker saying he chose to get traded to the Patriots, and I want to I want to hear what he says about Mac Jones because I'm a little iffy on Mac Jones. I'm not 100% sold on Mac Jones um, on how he kind of played in the playoffs and you know what we saw out of that um, garbage. And I know this isn't anything to really put that much weight into, but his performance in the uh, All-Star or the Pro Bowl competitions uh, going against Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins in those in those two throwing uh, games, if you will, uh, contests, it, it was really kind of off-putting, I'm not going to lie. But overall, Mac Jones has shown me some really solid throws throughout the year, some nice, great touch on some throws and everything like that. So I want to hear why Devontae Parker likes Mac Jones because uh, a lot of people just say Mac Jones isn't good and everything like that, but I think this man has some sneaky good throw ability able to make like all the throws some nice great touch on some throws so let's see why Devontae Parker wanted to go with Mac Jones so here we go uh, squeezed out of the picture in Miami following the trade for Tyreek Hill and the signing of Cedric Wilson, Devontae Parker requested the near New England Patriots to be his next destination. The Dolphins acquiesced to his request saying quote I chose to get traded here my agent hit me up just telling me what the situation was and the options I had for the teams to go to the first on my list was the Patriots I'm just excited we were able to get everything done so, wanted to go to the Patriots. That was his first decision. And now he's talking about Mac Jones. So, here we go. Parker already got in some throwing sessions with Jones since April 2nd trade went down, saying, quote, My impressions of Mac, he has a nice arm. He was zipping it. It was a great workout for all of us. It was good for me to come down and start throwing with him early, get the timing down. A.J. Green, Kyler Murray, head into you know the voluntary workouts to get the timing down. Devontae Parker's already doing that. Come on, come on. It was good for me to come down and start throwing with him early, get the timing down. Mac is a good quarterback. The way he throws the ball, it's not tough. He throws a catchable ball. It's something I'm looking forward to during the season. So, uh, you know, Devontae Parker, who I think is a very good wide receiver, just needs to stay healthy. Great tall wide receiver can go up and high point the ball. Will definitely help Mac Jones. 
when you got that nice tall receiver who can be kind of your A1 tier one number one option on your team if he's healthy. Once again, that's the only knock that we have on him. So having this nice tall receiver to work with, getting Mac Jones more acclimated into the NFL, going into his second year, all that. So I'm I'm still decently big on Mac Jones, folks. I think a lot of people are sold off of Mac Jones, but the, some of the throws he was making this season, folks, Avante Parker already uh, not gushing over him, but, you know, saying like, yeah, this is so, so far so good. I wanted to be here, and I'm still glad I made that decision. So Devontae Parker liking Mac Jones so far. Alrighty, folks, we are going to be out of here for today. We'll be back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, where hopefully we can get to Kenny Pickett. We'll be building up that lead up to the Celtics Nets game three. Cannot wait for that us first y'all game three. Y'all know how it is. Us up two nothing on y'all, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe y'all can come back. Maybe, maybe, potentially if, maybe, potentially Ben Simmons comes back game four. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but we're going to get out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. We're back live tomorrow, tomorrow noon Eastern doing it all over again, folks. We are.